Bibles and turn to John chapter 11 again, please. John chapter 11. We've been here in John chapter 11 the last couple or few Sundays, and we've uncovered and looked at a few different times that John chapter 11 is mainly, mostly about the death of Lazarus and then raising Lazarus from the dead. And we've kind of picked that out a few different aspects, and we've approached it from a few different angles. Uh, there's a lot that is in this passage in a lot of different ways that uh, this could be preached and a lot of different things to draw out of it in different aspects. I want to do that one more time today, and, and instead of reading the whole passage, and that's something we haven't really done is just read through the entire passage straight through. It's, it's lengthy, and we'll end up doing that today, but we'll do it as we go through the message this morning. And I'm going to talk to you, and we're going to approach it from this angle of, of dealing with divine silence. And uh, to introduce that thought, let me just ask you the question. Has there ever been something that you had in your life that was pressing and was in immediate need to you? And because of the nature of it and the immediate need of it, you, you cried out to God. You asked the Lord for help in this particular thing, but you didn't seem to get an answer from the Lord. There have been times like that where, you know, this thing is pressing down and I take it to the Lord, but it doesn't seem like there was an actual answer in the moment that you prayed for that. Uh, or he didn't answer this need the way that maybe you desired him to. Has that ever happened? And I would say that if we've been saved long enough or any length of time at all, we would all have to say that that's true. And there are times when that has happened. And in those times, the tendency for, for people might be to feel and as if God does, either doesn't know what's going on, or number two, He doesn't care. That might be the tendency for, or the reaction that we might have. And, and I ask that question and I present it that way because that's sort of what happened to Mary and Martha in the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Lazarus was their brother. They knew their brother was sick. They went to the Lord for help in this thing. And instead of getting an immediate response from the Lord, their response was to wait. Their reaction to the Lord was, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Okay? And so this sort of is what happened to Mary and Martha, and they felt like this was a pressing need, obviously, and they needed the Lord to do something about it right then. But his response was to wait. But the Lord waited so that something greater could take place. And I want us to look at that idea and that thought out of this passage and learn for us how we should deal with divine silence when the Lord is silent. What does it mean so often, and what is the purpose? And so we're going to look at all of those out of this passage this morning. Let's pray, and the prayer is that this will be helpful uh, to you in your own life, in your spiritual life, and even our response to the Lord, that we would grow in our understanding of God. Uh, we would grow in maturity that way, and our trust, our trust in the Lord and that God does all things well, and He does them well all the time. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you bless your word here today, and may it be encouraging to God's people. And we pray, Lord, that you teach us about you from, your, from the word of God, and Lord, that it would be something we quickly apply in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, and like I said, we'll read through this whole portion of Scripture as we go through the message, and I want to direct your attention to the first three verses. And we find in verses 1 through 3 a request, the request that's made. The Bible says in verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha, excuse me, um, let me start over. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. 
It was that Mary, which, was an, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. We see the request that is made here, and we find in this a serious situation. The serious situation was that Lazarus was sick, according to verse 1. According to verse 3, it mentions it again. The one that uh, the brother of Mary and Martha was sick. The, the situation was very pressing. It was pressing enough, and Lazarus was sick enough that they felt like they needed to reach out to Jesus. They needed to take this to the Lord. And so in verse 3, the Bible says, Therefore his sister sent unto him. They sent to the Lord, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And we find in verse 3 that that they were seeking after the Lord. So the serious situation is that Lazarus is sick. He's sick enough that this 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 is pressing. And so they seek after the Lord concerning this situation. Now, a lot of people pick on Mary and Martha in this whole scenario as if Mary and Martha didn't have any faith and they didn't trust the Lord. And their response to the Lord was, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother hadn't died. A lot of people pick on Mary and Martha in this situation, but I don't think that we should be so hard on them or blame them for not having faith, etc. In fact, They actually did everything that they were supposed to do in this situation. What did they do? They took their need to the Lord. Isn't that what the Word of God tells us to do with our cares and our burdens? Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. God desires that we call on Him, that we come to Him. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Go with me to Psalm 34, please. Keep your place in John 11 and look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34 excuse me, in verse 6, the Bible says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Skip down to verse 15. Verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. What is the Word of God teaching us and telling us? That the Lord hears our cry. The Lord understands. He understands so much uh, that He cares and that He's always listening. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. And the psalm goes on to say, uh, again, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The point I'm trying to make is this. In their pressing need, they did what they were supposed to do. They sought after the Lord. They took it to him. And God desires that we call on him. And so if they did the right thing in bringing it to Jesus... The question then is, what was the response? They did what they should do. They took their pressing need to the Lord. What was the response? And I want you to notice the reply of the Lord. So let's go back to John chapter 11. And look with me in verses 4 through 6. When Jesus heard that, what did he hear? Well, they had sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, the one that you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, 
he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now skip to verse 14, all right? Verse 14 says, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, this is to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now that is referring to the section that we didn't read where the disciples said, you can't go to Jerusalem. You can't go over there. They're going to kill you. The Jews are going to kill you. And Jesus said, let's go. And Thomas said, well, let's go with the Lord. And we, if we die with him, then we die with him. Look at verse 17, though. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany is not that far from Jerusalem. It wasn't a, a too long of a journey. Like He could have gotten there much, much sooner. But the Bible says that when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days. By the time he actually gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. So there's a good long time that has taken place in here after Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. So what I'm saying is, and what I'm trying to point out here is, these ladies did what they should do. They took it to the Lord. But the response of the Lord was to wait. Verse 6 tells us that when Jesus heard it, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. The response was to wait. Now, we also need to remember this. Is it possible or was it possible for Jesus to heal Lazarus from a distance? Did Jesus have to be there to heal Lazarus? No, he did not. Jesus could have done it from where he was. He could have done it in that moment. There's an example of this in Matthew chapter 8. You remember the centurion servant in Matthew chapter 8. And we look over there in verse 5. The Bible says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievous torment. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast in the outer darkness. Now skip to verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now this servant, centurion, believed that the Lord could do it. He said, Lord, just speak a word, and my servant shall be healed. And his faith prompted the Lord to say, Be it done unto you. And the servant was healed that self-same hour. Now let's go back to John 11, because when Mary and Martha sent unto the Lord, they were expressing faith in the Lord that he could do something about this. And rightfully so, he could. He did not have to be there to heal Lazarus. He could have done it in the very moment, but he didn't. He waited. His response and his reply to their plea was to wait. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord asks us to wait as well. Even though we have a pressing need, and even though we've done all that we should do in taking the need to the Lord, the Lord still asks us to wait on Him. And His waiting... Whatever the need is, does not mean that he doesn't know what's going on, and it doesn't mean that he does not care. We need to remember this fact. We need to remember this truth in the moments that are pressing for us. 
In fact, we need to remember that the Lord knows exactly what's going on. He knew what was going on in this situation. Verse 4 says that when he heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. He knew exactly what was going to come about. In verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus said unto his disciples, Lazarus is dead. He's not there yet. But he told the disciples that Lazarus is dead. He knew exactly what was going on. God knows all about your problems, too. God knows all about the pressing needs that come into our life, the things that are so burdening us that we take them to the Lord, and we want the Lord to do something now. The Lord knows. But yet He asks us to wait. We need to remember that Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Psalm 11.4 says, The Lord in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Psalm 33.13, The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of of men. The point is, is that your situation does not get past him. You have to remember that he knows. And the answer to all of that, when he asks us to wait, the answer is to know and understand that God knows this and God will move when the time is right. Verse 7 tells us of John, Then after that he saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. It was time. He had waited. Their plea came. It was pressing. They did what they were supposed to do. Lord, you've got to do something. And he said, wait. But when the time was right, then he moved. God always moves at the right time. God is never early and God is never late. He always moves at the right time, according to His plan. We also need to remember that God does not operate on our timetable. How often do we try to hold God accountable to something? And sometimes we even claim Scripture, Lord, you said this, and that's true, but God doesn't necessarily answer according to our timetable. This is part of learning to trust Him. It's part of learning that he does all things well. He does all things good, and he does them good all the time. God will move according to his will when the time is right. Isaiah 55 teaches us that the, Lord, the Lord's thoughts are not our thoughts, and the Lord's ways are not our ways. In fact, the Lord's thoughts and the Lord's ways are so much higher than our ways that we can't even comprehend it. And so we need to remember this, that he knows and he'll move in the right time according to his will. And often if he's asking us to wait, it simply means that he has something far greater in mind, something far greater in store. How many times do we feel like this thing is so important, it's so pressing, and why is the Lord not answering and our faith begins to falter. Our faith begins to wane. And what we need to remember is that God has something much, much greater than what we are thinking in the moment. He has something greater in store. And so, while God asks us to wait, waiting is not just sitting, twiddling our thumbs, waiting on God. No, God is actively at work. God is actively working while we're waiting. Look at verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death. And here's the working part. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. In all of this, in all of the waiting, in all of this, there's something bigger, something greater, and that God would get glory out of it, and that Jesus Christ, uh, that would, uh, the Son of God, might be glorified through it thereby. Listen, it brought more glory to God for Lazarus to die 
than if he had just healed him where he was. And we'll look at some of this in a minute. Even the people understood this. Even the people understood that, well, they even said, and we'll look at it a little bit, but they said, isn't this one who can make the blind see? Isn't he able, wasn't he able to, to make it so that Lazarus wouldn't die? The people expected that. They understood that. But Jesus was trying to do and was going to do something far greater that would set this, even the healing of people, it would set that aside and make it different that this is something that hasn't been done and only God could do this. He was going to reveal something about himself to these people. And the point I'm trying to make is that that is something that would bring more glory to God than if Jesus had just healed Lazarus where he was. And so while we wait, God is actively at work. It's not just twiddling thumbs. It's not nothing is happening. He expects us and wants us to wait, but we also need to know He's doing something in the middle of all of that, even if we can't see it. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's frustrating to have to wait. But we need to trust that the Lord is actively working. These people, some people say, well, what about the pain that it brought to Mary and Martha that Lazarus died, that he had no doubt there was pain. Obviously there was. So what about that? That's sort of like the disciples in the storm. Remember how Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship and he was asleep? And they were out there fearing and toiling and they came to the Lord and they said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? That's kind of what that's like. Well, what about the pain that Mary and Martha had to experience? Don't you care about that? Listen, listen, even in our pain, God uses it for his glory and for our good. God is not primarily concerned with keeping us happy and, and delivering us out of all of our troubles so we are pain-free in life. That is not the primary purpose of the Lord. The primary purpose is that God is magnified in our life, and sometimes the Lord uses our pain to bring about glory for Him. That's why we have to remember Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to them that love God. Even our pain, God uses it for good. But the application to this, I think will resonate with you. We don't like to wait. The response of the Lord was to wait. Even though they did all that they were supposed to do in taking it to the Lord, He waited. And He had a purpose in mind. But we don't like to wait. And we don't like to experience pain. We want to run from that. We want to do all that we can to avoid that. But when we don't submit our way to the Lord, even in pain and even in trouble, what we end up doing is missing out on the greatest blessings that God has in store. God's not answering my prayer. I don't want my plea. I don't, I don't like this pain. I'm going to go and do something about it myself. Rather than submitting our way to the Lord. And what we do is we end up missing the greatest blessings that God has in store. It's the spiritual ones that are the greatest blessings. And God's plan is always right and it's always best. And God wants to teach us that about himself. That it's always right and it's always best. That he's the one in charge. And we need to trust his character. That's what God wants to teach us about himself. In spite of this, the pain sometimes, listen, we can learn through that that God is always good and that he's good all the time. The response was to wait, but while they were waiting, God was at work. So now I want you to look at verse 18, and we're going to look at this third thing. What was their reaction? So we saw the pressing need, the request was, Lord, my brother is sick. We see the response of the Lord was to wait. But what was the reaction? 
Look at verse 18. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. See, they're in pain. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So what was she wanting? She was wanting her brother to live. She was wanting Jesus to heal him. She believed he could. And her response was, Lord, if you would have been here, this would have happened. Her imagination of what the best thing was would have come about if the Lord was there. You following that? But the Lord had something else in mind, something far greater, something bigger, something much better. Verse 22. She says, But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. What was the reaction to the Lord in his desire for them to wait? Well, first of all, I think we can see that there was a reaction of discouragement. In verse 20, in verse 21, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was come, went unto him, met him in verse 21, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. There's a, there's a bit of a response or reaction of discouragement. Verse 24 uh, tells us, what does verse 24 tell us? Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I think that we find that there's some discouragement here because their pleas and their imagination of what the best thing was didn't happen. And their plea went unanswered. And they were a bit defeated and a bit discouraged because of that. And you know, the same can be true of us. Sometimes it's hard to wait on God when He says, wait. And we can find some discouragement there. But when we learn to wait on the Lord, the wait is well worth it. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In spite of discouragement, in spite of defeat, I want to give these ladies some credit. Because I think that even in the midst of all of that, there was still a reaction of devotion to the Lord. They didn't just turn their back on the Lord because He didn't answer their prayer right now. There was devotion to Him. She said in verse 22, she said, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She still had a measure of faith about her. That even if you ask of the Lord, He'll give you something. There was still a measure of hope here as well. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And in all of this, and even in their pain, and even in the midst of their discouragement, there was still some worship of the Lord too. 
Verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. I want to give these ladies some credit here. That just because what they wanted didn't happen, they didn't, they didn't turn their back on the Lord. They had some devotion to the Lord still. There was some faith. There was some hope. There was still worship of the Lord. And listen, 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 here's the point. Even when things don't go as we plan or as we want them to, and our pleas go unanswered by the Lord, we've got to get to the place where we can still exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and believe Him in spite of that. Because I trust Him, and I trust His character. Job, in the middle of all of his troubles and trials, said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Trust in the Lord and God's character. And listen, God will bless that same attitude in our lives as well. But you know what? Many Christians lose it right here. I came to the Lord with the problem. I did what I was supposed to do. I brought it to the Lord. But He didn't answer. And He didn't do it. And it was so pressing. Doesn't He know or doesn't He care? They start to get mad at God. Because God didn't do what they said to do. Or they start to quit on the Lord. And not believe in Him because He didn't answer it the way that... I was asking it. And you know when that happens? When that happens, people always miss the greatest miracles that God has in store. Psalm 27, 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait. I say wait on the Lord. Understand this, and this is critical. When God asks us to wait, God waiting is not a reflection of His love in this. Meaning, it doesn't mean that God does not care. In fact, go to verses 5 and verse 6. The Bible says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days. The Bible explicitly tells us that Jesus waited, but it wasn't because he didn't love. Jesus loved them. He loved them. And so God asking us to wait is not a reflection of his lack of love. It doesn't mean that he does not care. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. He loves enough to teach us some things and to use us in the circumstances of our life to bring him glory. Verse 4 says this, this is for the glory of God. Jesus could have healed Lazarus from where he was. But he waited because the greatest was still to come. The greatest was still to come. And friend, I would tell you this this morning. You might be going through something in your life. There might be something very pressing, something that is urgent, something that is immediate. You might be going through it right now. You might even at times feel frustrated. You might even at times start to feel defeated. But remember this. Remember this. God will never fail. He never will. Our duty is to wait on Him and to believe Him until the answer comes because He has something far greater in store for your life. He may not answer it just like you ask it. That's okay. Because we can trust his character and trust his heart. That even if I don't get it maybe the way that I'm asking it, God has still something greater in store for me. That thing in store is always going to be spiritual. And the answer really came. And boy, did the answer come in this passage. They said, Lord, he's sick. They wanted him to heal him. 
But Jesus said, wait. He said, wait. They said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother had not died. They're still in that mindset of this is the thing I'm asking for. But the Lord had something far greater in store. And I want you to notice from verses 33 to 44, the resurrection. Verse 33 says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound upon with a, about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, Believed on him. This is an amazing, amazing event. There was something miraculous even that Mary and Martha had in their mind. Their mind was, Lord, you miraculously heal my brother so he doesn't die. There wasn't a lack of faith that Jesus could do that. In fact, it was a miracle that they were asking for. But Jesus still said no. He said wait. And the reason was because he had something much, much greater in mind. I want you to notice this about the resurrection here. First of all, it was unexpected. This is not what they expected. Lazarus was dead, and everybody expected him to stay that way. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Lazarus was truly dead. He was really, really dead. And everybody expected him to stay that way. He's, he's already rotting. He's already starting the rotting process, and he stinks by now. Why should we take the stone away? Listen, here's this. Here, understand this. They had Jesus in a box of their own understanding. They were not expecting him to raise him from the dead. They were expecting him to work a miracle of healing, not raising him from the dead. And so when Jesus says, take away the stone, they're like, what are you doing, Lord? He's been dead for four days and he stinks right now. They had Jesus in a box of their own understanding. And so Jesus says this, verse 40, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? You don't have any idea what I want to do to bring glory to myself, but all you need to do is believe. I said if you just believe me, you're going to see something awesome. You're going to see something great. That way too. Putting God in a box of our own understanding. And we need to not limit God with our own understanding. God always works in ways that we could never even dream of. And most of the time, we don't even ask the Lord for miracles because we don't really believe. They were already asking for a miracle, but He was going to do an even greater miracle if they just believed. 
In Ephesians 3.20, we know this. It says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. We limit God with our own understanding. Notice what they said in verse 37. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? They knew the miracles of healing already. They had seen those before. They knew those that were blind were able to see that Jesus could do that, that he's already done that. And they were like, well, if he can make somebody who's blind see again, couldn't he have just made it so that Lazarus didn't die and healed him of this sickness? This is the mindset of the people and their impression of Jesus at this point. This is how they viewed him at this point. But Jesus waited and didn't heal Lazarus. He let him die. And he waited so that he could demonstrate his deity to them. So that their impression of him would not be limited to healing alone, but that they would grow in their understanding of who he was. And after the resurrection, friends, they understood exactly who Jesus was. They understood him in a way that they would never have known otherwise if it hadn't happened just like this. The resurrection of Lazarus was something very unexpected. But we also need to understand that it was also something that was unmatched. Meaning that no one, no one other than Christ could do this thing. Why did he wait? Why did he let Lazarus die? Because Lazarus was really, really dead. He was even starting to rot. He smelled dead. The reason that Lazarus died and the reason that Jesus waited as long as he did was, was so that people would understand that only God could do what Jesus did. In other words, they understood that Jesus was very God himself. Here's the application. Sometimes God will wait in our circumstances until He is the only explanation. We can try to get ourselves out of problems. We can try to get ourselves out of circumstances. But sometimes God allows and works and leads and does this and does all these things, even though we don't understand exactly what's going on. He allows it all to get us to the place that when he answers, there is no mistaking that only God could do this. That to me is wow. That speaks of exactly who he is. You know, I think an example of that is the nation of Israel and Moses one in the wilderness after they had left Egypt what happened God directed Moses Moses went everywhere that God told them to go you could trace the path that they walked and you find that God said to do this God said to go here God said to go there. They went to all these places. Then they backtracked a little bit, and then they started heading south. And they started heading south through this desert. And God was directing every step of the way until they got to the Red Sea. How did they end up at the Red Sea? Not because they were aimlessly wandering. They ended up there because God brought them there. What happened next? Pharaoh and his armies in hot pursuit, got Moses and Israel trapped. There's nowhere they can go. They can't fight and win. They can't go this direction because the sea is there. There is nowhere for them to go. There is absolutely nothing they can do. 
And God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 3, and Moses says this to the people, he said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There was nothing they could do. And again, Moses went everywhere God said to go. It was God who ultimately led them to this place of absolutely no return. There was nothing they could do. There was nowhere they could run. God was about to do something so amazing that there was no doubt that God was at work. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful truth for us to remember. Because sometimes our circumstances are so dire in life and they're so pressing on us and they're so weighty for us. God, you got to do something. And he says, I'm going to wait. And he asks us to wait on him. And we have a choice to be discouraged and defeated and quit on God or trust him and wait and see that when God speaks, there's no doubt it was God who did this. And he's the one who's going to get the glory out of it. God didn't remove the Red Sea for Moses. But he did provide the means and the way to get through it. And oftentimes, God's not going to get rid of our biggest problems either. But if we will let go of the reins and we will trust him and we will wait on him, he will get us through. And in the end, he will use all of that for our spiritual good and ultimately his glory. And we'll see amazing things that only God could do. And that is going to go far beyond even just my own life and far beyond just what it does for me. How do I know that? Well, because verse 45 says... That after Jesus said, loose him and let him go, there was a whole bunch of people that were around. There were a whole bunch of people that followed Martha and Mary who were there to comfort them in their grief over losing the, the loved one and so on. And the Bible says that after he was, these were the same people that said, well, if he can make a blind man see, how come he couldn't have kept Lazarus from dying? Very same people. And verse 45 says, then. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. It's far, far bigger than just Mary and Martha here. God's purpose in this was far greater than just what he was going to do in their own life. It extended beyond that to a multitude of people who understood who Jesus was in that moment, and the result was they believed on him. Sometimes that's the way it is in our life, too. Whatever the circumstances that is bothering us or pressing on us, we are in our own little world, in our own little bubble, and we can't see outside of that. And don't understand why God says, wait, but maybe the Lord wants to do something not only in my life through this, but in a multitude of other people's lives that they can glorify God as well through that trial or in my life. And in summary, what was the purpose of all of this? Well, first of all, it was the glory of God. Verse 4 tells us that. Jesus said, this is not under death, but under the glory of God. Secondly, it was for spiritual growth. Because Jesus said to his disciples, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? Look at verse 15. Jesus said, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. To the intent... Ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. In other words, these were the disciples of the Lord. They already believed on the Lord. But they needed to grow in their spiritual life through this. It was also for the strengthening of faith. Verse 40 tells us that Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Here was the strengthening of faith in the Lord that was a, a purpose in all of this. But then in verses 42 and 45 that we see that the other purpose of this was a witness to other people. Verse 42, Jesus said, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And verse 45, Then many of the Jews that saw the things that Jesus did believed on him.
to wrap it all up, the purpose of trials in your life or mine are not much different. That God would get glory out of it. That there would be a strengthening of your faith in the Lord. Some spiritual growth out of it. And quite possibly that others, that it would be a witness to others too. Wait on the Lord. Don't quit on God. God has something much bigger. Don't limit God by our own understanding. Amen? Whatever the need is in your own life, first of all, take the first step. Give it to Him. Tell Him about it. And if you've already told Him about it, then just wait on the Lord and trust His character. And God's going to move in His own time. And what He's going to do is bring Himself glory and bring spiritual good in your life. Great passage of Scripture, encouraging passage of Scripture, especially for people who are kind of going through it. Trust the Lord. Wait on the Lord. God's waiting doesn't mean He doesn't know, and it doesn't mean He doesn't care. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's just got something greater in mind. What a good God, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, take Your Word today, please, and use it. I sense and see that you've taken, you have used your word in people's lives already. There's some truths and principles that have been resonating and a blessing. We thank you for that. We ask that you continue to work in our hearts to accomplish your will. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you're a God whose ears are open unto our cries, Lord, that you know. And even when you don't answer right away or even how we would expect, Lord, teach us that waiting on the Lord is well worth it. Grow us in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.